0: Welcome everyone to the next episode of the Jay Davis Show. I'm super excited to have Andy Keith with us here today. He's the CEO of Multiview, which is part of the Stagwell Global family. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Andy. Thanks, Jay. I appreciate this. I'm looking forward to it. So, Yeah. Well, why don't you start kind of telling people a little bit about yourself and how did you get into where you are today being the CEO of a, of a, a larger company and, and how did you kind of approach that through your
1: career. So my previous career, I worked at country clubs and in the golf business and tennis business specifically. Um, And that led to working in the banking uh, industry for Countrywide, which ultimately became Bank of America. And so I got caught up in the uh, housing crisis of 08. And so I said, this is a good time to really kind of take a chance on on a smaller company, you know, like a mature startup is what I would call it. And uh so I ended here at multiview. And um I, you know, when I came to interview and I learned about what they did, I just was like, you gotta be kidding me. Nobody's doing this already. And um so I, I was sold from the very beginning. So um just to give a little background on what it is that they do is we're the largest digital publisher for a, a trade and professional association we play in the b2b space we do not do any b2c or d2c or anything like that we are strictly b2b and so um you know we're calling to sell digital advertising to somebody you know maybe they sell resin to the composite manufacturers association membership so um or it could be you know conveyor belts or it could be education or or nursing um about roughly 33 percent of our business is in healthcare, um and a lot of it we have uh, also in the blue collar space but then we also have education so
0: i'd love to ask you more about that decision i think a lot of times people this is maybe a little bit of a soapbox for me. I think a lot of times people want to get into startups or they want to be an entrepreneur. And they think that kind of the only way to do that is by starting a company from scratch by themselves. And I often talk to people about like, hey, there's a lot of ways to get into startups and be in the startup world and be entrepreneurial without doing that. What do you think are some of the Benefits you've seen of, like you said, joining more of a mature startup that was a little bit down the road, but I'm sure there was so much to figure out (laughs) still. Uh, What what are some of the things you've enjoyed about that process? Navigating the growth,
1: I think you know it's um, early in a company. You can kind of once it's up and running, which it was running. uh, It it was a well-oiled machine by the time that I'd gotten here, but then that led to a lot of growth and focusing on growth. And as you know, you can grow the revenue, you can grow the product set. It's the people that you have to focus on. So, you know, you're trying to make sure that you're hiring the right people. Um, because at the end of the day, I, I don't care if you sell pizza, um, digital pixels, pillows, we're all in the people business. And so I think that the, thing that you have to do right is
0: to make sure that you're hiring the correct people yeah i love that i love the we're all in the people business i think that's a crucial crucial learning that seems so cliche and so simple and yet you get into business and it's that thing i constantly like man it's all you always just go back to it it's like people will make or break you you can have the wrong person in the role and it is just disastrous um or if you have the right person, it's, it's almost feels like magic. I mean, it's such a difference. What, what have you learned about hiring people?
1: Good people make difficult things look extremely easy. And sometimes you don't know that until that person takes the next step in their career and maybe they, they move on or, or maybe they even go start their own business. You, you really learn of the value that they brought, so, um, I'm
0: sorry. I didn't mean to talk. What was the question? No, you're fine. Uh, What have you learned about finding great people? I think that's something that as an entrepreneur, I feel I am learning about constantly, but I'm still trying to improve myself. I'm trying to uh, hone that kind of skill and that talent. What are some of the things you've learned through your career? There's a lot of great interviewers out there. Um,
1: And so I think that one thing in order to really kind of peel back the layers of, of the person You need to put that person in front of several of the people that, like the stakeholders of the business. And, you know, our stakeholders here are across every job function. You don't have to be C-suite or or vice president or anything like that. Um, we have a, we have a basically like a committee or a panel that we will put them in front of. And so if they get hired here, they typically have spoken with somewhere between eight and 12 people. So, it's. I always say that the people that you hire is the most important decision that you're going to make on any given day. Uh, th- those are the yeah. people you know that that just, as you just said, they're going to make or break
0: you. So yeah. it's got to get right more times than not. Yeah, I think that's uh, it's definitely definitely a huge challenge for a lot of people. What do you think? as you've worked at different places, what do you think of the common mistakes you see people making? Probably not
1: taking the appropriate amount of time to put them through the interview process. I think that there's an, oftentimes at, uh, previous places that I've worked, there has been such a need to try to fill the role instead of hire the right person. Um, so for instance, our step one is, is that they'll work with our recruiting team, our talent acquisition team. Um, We'll bring all of them together because we recruit a lot out of the big 12 and SEC uh, schools for sales positions. And so then we we take them out and we go uh, take them out to dinner as a group and we get to learn a little bit about them. Um, and, and, yeah, it just really gives you enough face time to, to truly know who they are. I, I always feel like people can kind of fake it for 30 minutes, but they
0: can't fake who they are over a three-hour dinner. What are some of the other things you've learned about running an organization that, and did you start as CEO or did you evolve into that role? No. So I'm one of the uh, few people
1: I feel like that I literally started here in sales and I worked my way up. And so That's amazing. Uh, I started here in November of 2007 and became CEO um, when the previous founder uh, retired and so then it was purchased by private equity and so then i took over in august of 2019 so yeah wow quite the
0: quite the time to take over i'm sure (laughs) there's probably been some fun fun experiences there for a while
1: when the pandemic hit so i think all of us were a little bit out of sorts and just trying to figure it out on the fly um i always tell the story about We sent everybody home we were like you know what the first and foremost the thing we need to do is take care of the people that work here and so we sent everybody home and then it just dawned on me i go oh my goodness everybody here is on desktops and so we didn't have any way for anybody to work from home or anything like that and so our it and and a few other people banded together to find 500 laptops that we could either lease or 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 rent or something because I don't know if you recall, but like Dell and everybody had to uh, prioritize the first responders and the healthcare teams and things like that for any kind of new product.
0: Well, as you've been so you you've evolved. I mean, you've been through through different phases or, or different kind of roles in the company. What are some of the things because i think this is also a question a lot of people have if they've started a company is um you know at some point they might not be the right person to run the company uh and what would be your recommendation for you took over from a founder how should people approach that uh what lessons did you learn um i think even do you think people should do that sooner do you think they should wait longer what have been some of the things you've seen I would say
1: not to come in and, and just turn the place upside down because you can. Um, there, there's certainly, you know, most m- most aspects of the business are working very well. And um, prior to being CEO, I was CRO. So this is a sales organization at the end of the day. And so it really allowed me to have a, a really good understanding as to what the company, from a product perspective, um, what our clients were saying and doing. And so I think if you just, you know, to listen to your clients and your employees, I I think that you'll, you know, you'll know what to do. You'll make the right decisions.
0: That's such great advice. And I think even a lot of executives, I think, make that mistake. They come in and they, you know, take over from someone and almost immediately they are like, we need to change everything. And that's usually very jarring for people. Um, to kind of have everything spun 180 and all of a sudden you're like I don't know if this is a, this is something that I want to be a part of anymore because it's so different from what it was before a hundred percent
1: I mean you're still trying to win you know everybody's opinion at that point you want you want to calm everybody down when you've had a founder who's decided to move on and retire because they've been that that you know, uh, picture of stability for this place and so it's like uh-oh is this person going to come in and i'm like do i need to start looking for work to your point so um i think that there's definitely some uh voters that it's it's almost like being a bit of a politician at times you kind of feel like as you're trying to make sure that everybody understands know, uh, what your goals are and, and how you're going to achieve them. They want to see that,
0: that you do have a vision
1: and they want that vision shared with them early on. So.
0: Yeah, that's great. Um, what do you think are the most difficult things about being a CEO? What are some of the things that have been the most challenging?
1: I guess what I would say is I, Mark Zuckerberg was on Joe Rogan's podcast the, and he I think she probably said it best so the things that wind up on my desk are things that you know maybe two three four five six people have attempted to solve and they haven't been able to and so then i've got to you know take this problem a- and solve it and by the way that was one department and there's nine departments and so you can probably expect to have eight or nine of those a day so um you know what, I always tell my people that I probably make more mistakes than anybody in this company. And it's just, you know, solely due to the amount of decisions that you've got to make each and every day. So
0: what, what do you think, how do you help your people? Cause I, I think that's very true. I find myself, uh, you know, you get, you just have those things kind of bubble up and then once they are bubbling up to you, you're like, okay, this is probably a pretty big issue or something we should think about because now it's bubbling up to me. How do you help your team to learn how you make decisions, think through decisions, or do you say, no, that's okay. Like that's, that's the natural process. Once it bubbles up, uh, that means obviously I need to solve it. Yeah. So
1: with me, I always stop and take them through like the whole process of, you know, asking questions, you know, and, and basically, we really come up with the answer together. Um, and, and so, you know, if, if they're going to come in here with a problem, we say, okay, let's sit down, let's talk through it. And uh, so, I mean, I, honestly, the best way for me is just to lead by example and to teach them those things and, uh, you know, how I go about it and and also explain to them that I don't always get it right. But you know what? This is this is the
0: course that I believe that we should take. It's, it's amazing how... Just as you said before, I mean, it goes back to people and spending time on developing people and developing, you know, decision-making processes and working as a team. Um, what are some of those things you've seen through your career, but also especially now that you've, I'm assuming you kind of been, you were probably working with this executive team, but you probably didn't choose any of the people before becoming CEO,
1: right? Um, I'm fortunate to have a CEO who kind of also grew up here, so to speak, with me. And so his strength is the tech and the operational side of the business and mine is the sales and the marketing. So we've kind of, you know, we've been at this for a while together. And so when we did step in, it, it I don't know if seamless is a fair word to uh, to use to describe it, but we' definitely, we knew the people, we had picked most of the people, and, and we were getting to run it on the, a day-to-day um, kind of towards, uh, you know, the year
0: leading up to when we took over. And What have you done to develop that team? I mean, how do you guys focus on that team? Uh, what are some of the things that you do to really kind of develop the executive team as a group? For one, our, our motto is, is to lead, a, lead
1: our people uh, to a point where they take over our chair. Um, there's always going to be opportunities throughout the company. Maybe, you know, it gets less and less as you get up to the C-suite, right? There's only one CFO. And so if the people beneath um, Stacy, who is our CFO, if they have those aspirations, then our commitment to them is to come here, give us, you know, everything that they can, and we will develop them along the way. Uh, We work with performance coaches. Everybody on our executive team does. Um, We do a lot of reading. And I think that, you know, we work in a fast-moving marketplace uh, with digital advertising. Maybe what was relevant a month ago maybe isn't as relevant, you know, uh, today. And so just to be able to serve our clients and, and our association partners, we've got to stay on top of everything on an ongoing basis. So we just don't have the luxury of falling behind.
0: Um, I love that. Is your performance coach all the same for everyone or does everyone have a different? No,
1: we use the same coach and we, we've we gone back and forth about that. Um, we, we love the person that we work with. And I think that for multi view, I think it's best that we do have the same coach because you know when when he's working with um, sales, you know you want to make sure that marketing and everybody's kind of rowing
0: the boat in in the same direction. Yeah, because I have a I have a CEO coach that I work with, but I'm probably I think I'm the only executive on the team that has a coach. Um, and it really is. It's been super helpful for me. That's I should I should look into a, a group deal. Have him have him do everybody.
1: Well, we do it one on one, but um, but he works yeah. with a, a certain group, and I think he works with um, maybe eight or nine on the executive team. So it's yeah, like, it's pretty
0: intense job for him. Yeah, that's that's amazing. What do you feel like you've learned? I've my coach has been amazing. What do you think is like the biggest breakthrough you've had uh, in working with a coach? That's the easiest
1: question that you've asked me so far. It is without a doubt having the really good understanding as to what is important and, and
0: what can wait. Any, any specific scenarios you can share where there was something where you're like, Oh, that can wait or we got to focus on that right now. Definitely.
1: I always say that, you know, at the end of the day, the revenue generating part of your business is that is, you know, what's, keeps everybody here it's what allows us to make payroll and and things like that sometimes things when we're working on projects and we're trying to prioritize things um there are items that you know they're just not going to be necessary to address uh in the next week or the next month and oftentimes i think we find ourselves paying attention to those based on the person who's bringing it to us, you know, is the house on fire, so to speak, you know? And and so I think we can sometimes get caught up in that.
0: We're usually more kind of big picture thinkers,
1: kind of where we headed. We also understand like the, the little, you know, nuances and, and decisions that we have to make, you know, in order to keep the business successful. And uh, if you, you know, you worry if those are being done correctly, but you can't, you know, hovering um, and not trusting your employees to make the right decisions it, that's a surefire way to fail in my opinion you've got to have trust in the people i also think that giving them the ability to make the decision to empower them is also what probably is the greatest contributor
0: for their personal growth uh what other things do you see as you work with people that that you think You've learned maybe even through your coach of like, how do you work with people to develop them, help them get to that next level? Having clear
1: uh, clarity in your messaging. So I think a lot of the times that people are asked to do things, but they're, you know, they just kind of said, Hey, you know, can you go over there and and make sure that this is done? Or can, can you go out and look at a new piece of tech? Well, how much better and, and more time saving would it be if somebody said, Hey, would you consider going out and looking for these different kinds of tech. We're trying to solve for X, Y, and Z problem. And we feel that this particular kind of tech can help us with that. They always say that, uh, what, like, uh, there was a survey that I saw recently, probably last three or four months, probably right before football uh, season started. And it said, how come Dabo, Sweeney and, and Nick Saban have been so successful? Now, maybe they wouldn't have done this poll um, if, uh, a couple of months into the uh, season, given their record. Um, nevertheless, the one thing that all of their assistant coaches said, um, why they were so successful, was is because they always provided very good clarity as to exactly what their expectation of that person was. So there was no guessing. You know, there was no sitting around going, man, does he think I'm doing a good job? Or does she think I'm doing a good job? Um, you've had those conversations with those people, and I think it allows them to operate freely and uh, make better decisions.
0: I think it's something that's really hard. It's it's hard, especially nowadays. Um, I, I think we we've kind of created, and maybe this is just my view, but I think a lot of times we've created this kind of view that like being mean or being saying telling people that they're not doing a good job or they need to improve is, is mean. Um, and you know, you see celebrities who there's kind of almost an attempt to cancel them. And then you read it and it's like, Oh, they're mean to their team. Um, and, and I think in some ways we've shifted too far to like, we can't tell anyone the honest truth and we can't tell people like, Hey, you're not performing and I want you to perform. I want you to, uh, Radical Candor is like one of my favorite uh, business books. And I just think it's it's a really key thing. I'm not good at it. I really struggle with it, but I'm trying to develop that skill. It is my belief
1: that employees want to be held accountable. Um, I think, and I always stress this to, to the leadership team, um, holding somebody accountable doesn't require being a jerk. I'm like, we, you know, Everybody who works here is an adult and deserves to be treated like one. And so I think that the way in which we respond um, to those who may not be doing their job. So for instance, we have a, a three stages like where we will ask everybody to do it initially because they're a professional, they're an adult, and they should be treated with great respect. If we go back and they still have not done it, then we will set them down and we will say we will tell them this is what the expectation is i need you to do this and if they still haven't done it that's when maybe you know some kind of action you know uh, has to take place but you'd be surprised when you're consistent in how you approach it you never really even get to that third step for the most part so
0: that's great advice Well, I love it. Well, I've taken more notes. There's a lot of things I'm like, oh, man, I need to do better at that. And I need to think about that. Wrote down a lot of quotes, um, which is always a great sign. It's always a sign that I feel like half the time podcast interviews are for my benefit more than anyone else's. So uh, it's always tells me that it it was a great uh, time spent. So thank you for coming on and sharing your wisdom with us and, and all the things you've learned through your career absolutely well i appreciate you having me and uh, i
1: couldn't agree more so from every conversation that i'm involved with i, I always take something from it um it, everything's a bit of a transaction you know so uh, it's always an opportunity to learn something so i appreciate this and uh, the time you gave me thanks again for coming on the show all right thanks jay